the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the heart of innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is Peripheral Artery Disease Awareness Month. Peripheral artery disease is a circulation issue that mainly affects the leg arteries caught early you could end up using just medicine and walking to improve your prognosis. But later on, you know, stroke, heart attack, and even amputation could be imminent. So the key is early diagnosis with PAD and long-term management of this disorder, lifestyle modifications, and becoming a true partner in your care if you are the patient, because there's so much that you as the patient can do to improve your prognosis and help you to live a better quality of life. Um, This particular show comes on the heels of a conference that we have been actually doing all morning long. It's called the Save My Piggies Conference. And so we've been sharing the stories of so many people who have this disease, which affects one in five people over the age of 60, one in three diabetics over the age of 50, and three in five heart attack sufferers have it. And so many don't even know it, if at all, until it reaches advanced stages known as critical limb ischemia, where very few options may be available to keep your life and limb intact. We have a very special guest in this first half hour of the show who is courageously here to share her story. Um, Nita, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Kim, can I just say a couple of uh... And John Phillips is actually here. Wow. Thank you (laughs) so much. I wasn't sure. Well, I've been I've been listening in. And and as you mentioned, the Save My Piggies conference that that you've uh, organized has been fantastic. I spent the last hour just kind of listening to patients tell their testimonials. Yeah. And, and, you know, I hear people crying, laughing. I mean, the whole fantastic job. Uh, yes, I'm. Uh, I'm on. I'm. We're, I'm. I'm golfing actually right now. We're doing a little memorial uh, for my father, and so we're doing yeah. a golf outing. So I'll be joining intermittently, but I just wanted to say hi. Thank you so much, John. Um, Nita, are you here with us as well? For those who don't know, we are actually on Zoom, and we have so many people that have joined the conference. I'm trying to sort through all the participants and make sure 
everyone is actually here who should be here. And I believe Nita just jumped on a little bit ago. Nita. Well, maybe she fell off just a moment ago. So let me, I'm going to see if she's actually on. John, do you want to jump in? Sorry. Oh, is she here? There you are, Nita. I was wondering, you know, technology, we just started talking about that. I'm tech savvy. I'm not tech savvy. So you're lucky I'm here because I'm not tech savvy. Hi, guys. You're lucky to have you here for so many reasons. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. I can't wait to hear your story. Thank you. It's an interesting story. So let me know when you're ready. (laughs) Oh, we are ready. We want to know where do you want to begin? I mean, what was life like for you? A day in the life of Nita prior to that first indication that something might be going on with your circulation? Okay. A day in the life of Nita. I was a restaurant. uh, I, I managed restaurants for over 30 some years. I was very active. I have three beautiful daughters. I have three beautiful grandkids. Uh, at that time, I was just a go-getter. I was always on the move. I was very active in the community. I was very active in my church. I was just an active person all around. And then I started getting symptoms. I didn't know what it was. For years, my legs would start hurting. And I said, well, you know, back in the day, I'm from the South. So for us, everything was rubbing a little sad on it, and it'll be okay in a minute. Just give it the time. So um, I never could find out answers as to why my legs would always hurt. And it got to the point, I'm a fashion Easter. I had to stop wearing heels. I couldn't wear my shoes. And that was very devastating for me. So um, I moved to Maryland in 2011 to be closer to my family here. And when I got here, um, I was here for three years. And then the third year, I found a bump. It was like a mosquito bite at the top of my foot, on my left foot. And it itched like a mosquito bite. I scratched it a couple of times. Then it started getting to the point of it was infected, but the infection was under the surface. It It started turning yellow. Then it started spreading. So I started going to my a primary care physician. No one could actually tell me what was going on. They couldn't have put a name to anything. Now, the whole time I'm going through all of this process, I'm going back and forth to my doctors. Um, my toes started turning black. All this time, I'm going back and forth and my toes are turning black. I know there's somebody out there that could help me, but they didn't. So I got my first amputation in 2017. So who did you complain to at this point? It sounds like you had gone back and forth with doctors, right? I'm sure you went to your primary care physician. You my said primary I have- care, my podiatrist, any and everybody that would listen, give me an answer for what was going on with me. No one. So by the time I got my first amputation, I still did not know or know anything about the word peripheral artery disease. I knew nothing. I found out about Pat when I left. Maryland to go to Michigan to save my life. Uh, my daughter found Dr. Mustafa on Twitter. He was on vacation. She tweeted him and she said she didn't think he would hear back from him. 30 minutes later, he tweeted her back and said, tell me what's going on with your mom. She told him what was going on because at that time I was talking about a second amputation. I hadn't even gotten out of the hospital good from the first amputation. They sent me home 
the podiatrist sent me home with my foot open. I had three stitches, one on each side and one in the middle. So it got infected. By the time I got to Michigan, I had to get my foot cut back twice more because of the poor care that I received here in Maryland. I got to uh, Michigan, Dr. Mustafa, the staff, my family at ACV, they literally saved my life. He told me I had weeks to live I had, if I had not made it to them on time. So for the past seven years, I have found a new reason to live, even though I'm a partial amputee. And I don't look at it as a partial amputee. I look at it. If you get something taken away that you was born with, it's gone. It's not coming back. So there's nothing partial about an amputation. It's there. Um, so after living life, fighting for my life, fighting to save my leg for seven years, I moved back to Maryland, going through a horrific divorce. I came back to Maryland to be close to family. And we're going to find out what happened next right after the break. So stay with us right here on the Heart of Innovation. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the broadcast. We are talking to Nita and hearing her powerful story. She was living in Maryland. She was on the verge of amputation, she ended up with, I believe, Nita, you had a toe amputated first in Maryland? Yes, I had all five of my toes amputated first in Maryland. So it was actually a transmetatarsal amputation. In Maryland, the doctors did not even attempt prior to amputation to open up the blood vessels to carry critical nutrients and oxygen that are critical healing components to any sort of wound. And especially inline flow, according to the Society for Vascular Surgery and the American Heart Association, should at least be attempted prior to any amputation. But you weren't awarded that sort of opportunity there in Maryland. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I, I feared for my life. Because I had made the trip, the travel 
back from Michigan twice uh, back to Maryland before I finally decided the third trip. I checked myself out of the hospital the third trip, and I said midway between Michigan and Maryland, I wasn't going back to Maryland because I feared for my life. These people were not taking my, my life serious. So, right, so I, this was actually, so you ended up, you went to Michigan first. You stayed there for seven years with Dr. Mustafa. You had, you know, every other year one leg was done or the other. And then you decided after this divorce, you're moving back to Maryland. And that's where you're, you've started the story in this segment. So continue on from there. Okay. If I could just, can I just interrupt for real quick? Because the point you made about the number of um, procedures that you had it's not common. I mean, it, the stuff that we do, particularly below the knee, it, it opens up and then it closes again. And so it's not uncommon for a patient to have multiple procedures on each leg over and over. And we do what we can and we will do whatever we have to do in order to preserve the limbs. So I just want to make that clear for the audience because sometimes people are like, wow, you guys do a lot of procedures on these patients. Well, we do it because we have to. Exactly. Right. And, I, and I think Nita has actually, Nita, I mean, having these procedures, it was something that you were willing to go through to maintain your legs. Of course. I, I call them a tune-up is what I started calling them because, um, you know, I would have to have them uh, currently um, um, to maintain my lifestyle, my, the, my quality of life. So when I came back here, I, <clears throat> I decided to, you know, maintain my self-care I decided, uh, my primary care physician referred me to a podiatrist because that was one of the first things I knew I needed to see was a podiatrist. I went to the podiatrist. He, um, I have corn. I get corns on the bottom of my feet because really my, the bottom of my foot is actually part of the top of my foot. It was a flap and they flapped it over. So I had to go, I have to go and get maintenance done on my foot. I went to go get maintenance done. The podiatrist sliced too close to my foot. I had a infection. I got a pus ball on the bottom the size of a tennis ball, pus ball on the top, right on top of the artery of my foot itself. I had to go back. I went to John Hopkins. They told me I had a bone infection. And in here, I have a bone infection that says, I'm about to get my leg amputated below the knee. That was the first thing they wanted to do. Every time I come back to Maryland, they want to amputate. So I was trying to explain to Dr. Hicks, the vascular surgeon. I'm sorry. You wanted to have your, your leg flow restored. And so you checked yourself out against medical advice, AMA, because you were committed. You wanted to find a doctor that would attempt to restore blood flow. And that's really where you're at in your journey is you are now getting ready uh, to see a second opinion. We always suggest a second opinion prior to any procedure and you're getting a second opinion and from a different doctor who is willing to attempt to restore inline flow once again, correct? That that is correct, and as a matter of fact, the procedures is I'm having the procedure on third, which I'm excited for. 
because I know that having this procedure, I don't have the back pain. I don't have the hip pain. I don't have the leg pain. I can walk. I, I have my, my mobility back. And without it, my mobility is off. My body is off. And when your doctor takes time to explain what your your feelings, what your body would go through, knowing what you need in order to keep your health, you listen to those doctors because they take care of you. You know that what they what they're telling you is sincere. When you find a doctor that is willing to let go of himself to send his patient to somebody else to say, I can't do this, but I know somebody that can, then you have physicians that that love you and you know that will listen to you. When you have a doctor that says, no, I can do it all. And if I can't do it, it cannot be done. That's not true. It's always somebody out there. And with all of the conferences, think about it. All of the conferences these doctors go through, all of these new people, all of these more innovative doctors that they meet and they can say, I can't do this, but I know somebody that can. I can't make that decision, but let me introduce you to somebody that can help you make that decision. What I'm saying is give us as patients the option to say, allow me to go somewhere where I know I can get the care that I need. Don't hold me back from getting from what I need because of what your status might look like in your medical society. Don't do that. Love on your patients. Because when you love on your patients, believe it or not, your patients love back on you. And they trust you with so many things. In order for you to know your patients, you have to ask questions. I'm not going to tell you right off the bat that this is happening in my and tell me something about yourself. I want to know you just like you want to know me. So this procedure that I'm about to have, I've been fighting to have this procedure done ever since May. And I'm finally getting it done. But you know what happened with me? My doctors in Michigan, my family in Michigan, you know what they did? They make sure they do the research for me. When I, If I call them in Michigan and say, I can't find, they'll say, Nita, we're going to look for you. Now I found that same thing in Kim. If I call Kim and say, Kim, I can't find, Kim is going to be on it until we find it. She tires me out sometimes with all these texts. <laughs> but I love this woman to the hilt because now Kim is a part of my medical family. If you cannot say you have a medical family, a team, then you can't, you don't, you don't have it. With all these different doctors coming at you at one time, you're already anxiety. You're already pumped with medication. You're already pumped with pain pills. You get people trickling into one. You don't know who you've talked to. When they tell you you have a team, you want to see everybody from the head of that team down to housekeeping. 
if I need to talk to housekeeping, I know the head of housekeeping. That's how far I want my team to go. That's how deep a medical team should go. I don't want to be nobody's number. I don't want to be just another file in a cabinet. I want to be need us coming in today. Get ready. Nita needs this done. Nita. I don't want to be patient 992. I want to be personable. I want that hug. I want that hug from that nurse. I want that hug from that doctor if I need it. Show me the attention. That's what you went to school for. That's what you planned for this, that you went to school to save lives. You didn't go to school for money. You can't because I'm sure you're still on school bills. You went to school to save lives. Help us save our lives. Stop ignoring us as people. Stop ignoring us. This disease, I'm sorry, this disease does not make us who we are as people. Take time to know me. I'm Nita. And And Nita, we're going to hear more of your story and inspiration in just a moment. Let's take a break. Years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg, arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients, and we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our LegSaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life Life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hearing Nita's story, and I wanted to bring in um, Dr. James Antizana from North Carolina, short North Carolina vascular surgeon. You've been listening into Nita's story. Any thoughts before we hear her final thoughts? No, I, I am uh, very moved with what she says, and she's pretty accurate in that regard. And I, I believe that, uh, you know, first and foremost, we're all brothers and sisters, we're all human beings linked by our great creator. And if we put everything aside and just focus on those uh, things that I just said, I think the world would be a better place. We would be taking care of each other and we would be manifesting that 
four-letter word that I believe has been passed down to us, and it's our responsibility to uphold, and that's loving one another. So that's all I have. I I totally agree. And and with that, Nita, um, you attended our The Way to My Heart um, patient conference near Chicago recently, and you had a very powerful message um, about the experience as an African-American woman with PAD. And African-Americans do get their legs amputated at three to four times the rate of their white counterparts. And you have a very strong message in in that regard, not only for other African-American individuals who might be at risk, but also physicians as well. I'll let you take the floor. Well, my my take on that is um, a lot of black people in poverty, they get their, their situations amputated faster because they don't get the care that they need. They feel as though they are disposable. They uh, they're not as informed. And the first thing, and because we are so trusting of our physicians, our primary cares, we are so trusting and believe in what they say, especially our, our elderly black. As soon as they say amputation, they believe that. If they tell them you need an amputation to better quality, for a better quality of life, they believe that. They don't second guess their physicians. And this is a thing that physicians need to understand. We don't second guess you because we trust that you're telling us what's right. But now I tell everybody, I don't care black, white, purple or green. Stop believing and taking the first option. There are always better options out there medical the medical society has been so uh, it's amazing at what they can do prosthetics they look like real my prosthesis people can't believe it but that's because I I had people that I believed in and I put my faith in them so just know African-American people we fight for so much Please, please help us fight for our limbs. Don't just take them just because you don't want to be bothered. Protect us. Please. Thank you so much. We will be back here on the Heart of Innovation on 860 AM. The answer. Welcome to this week's Medical Notepad, sponsored by The Weight of My Heart and Abbott Vascular. My name is John Phillips. I am co-host of The Heart of Innovation, as well as founder of the Save My Piggies Educational Initiative. And today, we're going to talk about the difference between antiplatelets and anticoagulants in treating peripheral arterial disease. If you've been diagnosed with peripheral arterial disease, meaning blockages in an artery, particularly in the legs, oftentimes we put you on a medication called aspirin or another type of antiplatelet called clopidogrel. 
both of which have been proven to reduce cardiovascular events, meaning heart attack or stroke, in patients who have blocked arteries. See, the body doesn't really discriminate where the arteries get blocked. It can be in the legs, but it can also be in the heart, and it can also be in the neck. That can cause stroke, heart attack, and the pain that you get with walking called claudication when you have peripheral arterial disease. The purpose of using an antiplatelet, whether it be aspirin or clopidogrel, is to prevent the platelets, which are blood products, from clumping together and causing a clot and thus narrowing the vessel, leading to symptoms. Now, we also provide and prescribe patients with anticoagulants. Historically, the major anticoagulant was warfarin or Coumadin. That affects the blood clotting in a different way. And that was historically used for patients who had blood clots in their veins that moved to the lungs called pulmonary embolism or those that have heart rhythm issues called atrial fibrillation, which can cause clots. However, there is some data to suggest that low-dose anticoagulants can help patients with peripheral arterial disease, not only after an intervention or procedure where a stent may have been placed or a bypass has been done, but those that have stable peripheral arterial disease or coronary artery disease. The most common one used in the vascular space is rivaroxaban at a low dose in conjunction with aspirin. We often do not prescribe full-dose anticoagulation in patients with peripheral arterial disease, but there are some exceptions, particularly those that have a lot of stents put in, long blockages in the legs, and or have had bypass in the legs. But again, it's not uncommon, and in fact, it's a guideline and a recommendation for patients to be on an antiplatelet, whether it be aspirin or clopidogrel, And there's also recommendations for the use of low-dose anticoagulants in patients that have peripheral arterial disease. So make sure you ask your doctor if they're prescribing a medication that's new to you, maybe aspirin or clopidogrel, why they're doing it and what some of the side effects you're looking for. Typically, the biggest side effect is easy bruising, but there can be some bleeding issues, so you need to be aware of that. If you're also prescribed an anticoagulant like rivaroxaban, the commercial name is Zeralto, there too may be an increase in bleeding risk. So you want to make sure you tell your doctor about any problems you've had with bleeding or particularly an ulcer or cuts uh, that you get and, and you have a hard time getting the blood to stop. They want to do, your physician wants to do what's right for you, and they are going to prescribe the appropriate medications, assuming you can take them. And that is my recommendation and comments regarding the differences and uses of antiplatelets versus anticoagulants. And again, my name is John Phillips for this week's Medical Notepad. For real-time support and advocacy, go to thewaytomyheart.org. Remember, the advice and views offered are for educational and informational purposes only. Always get explicit consent from your own healthcare team before using any information provided in this series. With this week's Medical Notepad, I'm Kim McNicholas. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. 
Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody, to a special Save My Piggies podcast episode. We're live on the radio, and we're talking to our new guests today, Karen and Axel. Karen and Axel, you guys have a a story that you want to share with us about uh, perseverance and uh, fighting through PAD. So uh, please introduce yourselves, and the floor is yours. Hi, I'm Karen. And I'm Axel. Welcome. We really appreciate you. And I wanted to bring in also and let Dr. James Anazana know that he's welcome to jump in with questions um, throughout your story as well, because it's really compelling. Uh, You are a cancer survivor. And that was the start of this whole journey to plaque buildup in your arteries. Let's start there, Karen. Yeah. Uh, So I think Karen kind of wants me to talk. (laughs) you have the let's, radio. Voice. Let's let's make this uh, very quick because it's otherwise a pretty lovely story. In 2020, we started out uh, with, with Karen, or with us finding out Karen had sinus cancer, and which is an extremely unusual cancer. Um, with that, obviously, all kinds of diagnosis uh, came up in con- having cold feet and they had turned blue so therefore we were um, told to see a vascular surgeon and our HMO you said <laughs> and um, so we did uh, they ran tests and found out that her Iliacs were plugged up, and the next thing was that they pretty much right away suggested to do an auxiliary bypass, meaning a uh, plastic tube from um, the, the shoulder, under arm area, yes, um, all the way down, bypassing everything going down to the area. Now, with that mind and that being a big shock, um, I think that was about the time that Karen ended up in touch with you via Facebook, I believe, and um, you then much suggested to see that we get another opinion. And uh, so within our AMO, we asked for another opinion, another vascular um, a surgeon, which was in this case in San Francisco, who replied to, um, you know, the CAT scans and you name it, whatever was done, and um, immediately brought up something that we didn't even know about, which was that apparently one of Karen's kidneys was shriveled up and that once look at her renals along with the iliac. So going back to our surgeon in um, they said we will look into that. They did um, uh, sonograms and all the different things in order to find out what was wrong with the renals and they didn't seem to think that there was a problem. 
So, but again, going back to the bypass for the iliacs uh, to get blood back down into her legs, and it just still, it, it wasn't enough of a response, not even talking about the renals, even though we were told that one of her kidneys shriveled up. So, right, in you any had event, a situation where you have the one vascular surgeon that was only a year out of fellowship who is the deciding person on your team. You tried to get a second opinion. The superior, the superior only agreed with what the original vascular surgeon would do. A third vascular surgeon right. in the same HMO that I happened to be working with um, for another patient and he ended up educating us about the renal arteries being plugged up as well. And when you went back to the other team, your original team, they weren't going to, there was, there was nothing wrong. You still, your only option is going to be this axillary bifemoral right. bypass, um, bypassing everything. And, you, you know, in the reading, you're, you're reading that, oh my gosh, in the, in the United Kingdom, it's considered palliative care. It has a very high mortality rate. And you're a mom. Right. A mom of well, three kids, right? Yeah. yeah. This, this obviously was a huge concern for a, third vascular surgeon came in and uh, he then said, yes, this is about the only option uh, with that bypass. And again, not going into the whole renal problem. Now, when we brought it up to him, he said, well, we don't think that this is too big of a problem. You know, if it comes down to it, um, dialysis is not that bad of a thing anymore. You can't even do it home days. So, I mean, that was not a good enough answer Mm-mm. to uh, have a good and uh, life to be there for the kids and to right. have any kind of longevity. So, with that, you we were able to go up with... Um, Okay. at uh, Bay Area Vascular and Vein. Yeah, vein and, and you know what's really disconcerting is that we tried multiple ways within this HM a second, you know, to allow you, you know, a second right. opinion outside of the HMO because there weren't any advanced options available, but because they offered you options, these invasive surgical options in the form of the axillary bifemoral bypass as frontline treatment, there was no question you didn't need to go anywhere else. So coming up right here on the heart of innovation, we're going to hear what they ended up having to do in order to save not only Karen's limb, but also her life. So stay with us. You don't want to miss that. Welcome back to the heart of innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. We are talking to Karen and Axel here in the San Francisco Bay Area. They belong to a large HMO, and Karen was told she needed what 
many doctors in the United Kingdom in particular consider palliative care and axillo bifemoral bypass as frontline treatment for blocked iliac arteries. I would imagine at the same time, part of that aorta must have been blocked as well, because if they weren't going to do an aorto bifemoral bypass, which is obviously it is frontline treatment versus an axillo bifemoral bypass for most it's rarely done these days and, you know, usually done when all other um, options are exhausted. But that was being offered as frontline treatment. HMO would not let you even get an outside opinion outside of the HMO. And so you made a really tough decision, Karen, and that. Well, uh, basically that we... Uh, and it did not matter. We uh, a life is worth a million dollars or more. Um, but we made the decision to pay out of pocket um, to get her the best care that was available, which we were able to obtain through Dr. Joey. Now, uh, going in, initially we had a consultation and we asked if he could help us. And uh, looking at our records, he said, yes, that he could. And uh, with that, we scheduled the first procedure, which he thought was most important to start with, which was to take care of the renals. Now, after that procedure and stinting the renals, he came to the recovery room and talked to me. And said, you know, it's a good thing that we did this because one of them was plugged by 95% and the other one 91%. That means he was going to go into kidney failure at any time. So with that, we then waited what a couple of months or whatever we had to wait in order to then get going on the next procedure, which was going to be one of the iliacs. He was going to do this in stages that it's not so invasive. In any event, uh, so going into the next procedure, when he was done with that, he came out to me and said, you know, this was a heck of a lot worse than I initially thought. I ended up having to spend literally the whole aorta from the heart on down. And then I believe it was initially the right aorta. Then that all worked out well. It was hardly invasive at all. I mean, she came through that with flying colors. And so then the last procedure was to take care of the left iliac, which was still tricky. But this man is, uh, it's, I can't say enough. So Dr. in any Mrs. event, Joy. yes. So in any event, um, this all got done, and her, she got uh, warmth back into her feet. They no longer were blue. Her kidneys were working properly. Uh, the shriveled-up kidneys started getting a bigger shape again, so it came back on board. And um, with that, the, all the procedures were done, and then we were just went into follow-up ultrasounds, every um, every uh, three months. Now, meanwhile, at the same time, they had suggested to take Zeralto as a blood thinner. Now, we through our HMO, 
it being on the best plan that was that available to us, um, we tried to order that, and uh, we were able to order it. But then we found out it was going to be what thirteen hundred thirteen hundred bucks for thirty days for thirty days. And so meanwhile, every time we went to the ultrasound in at Dr. Joy's office, Nima his. Um, Sidekick, or whatever you want to call her, she's fantastic. She would give us Zoralto samples. To this day, we've been getting Zoralto samples from them without having to pay the dime. And we have about thirty seconds left. Where is she? How how long are we since the procedures, and how are you doing? We have about thirty seconds. Um, It's been a good year since I've had everything done. I'm doing really well. I'm doing great thanks to you and thanks to Dr. Joey. And uh, and the walking, I mean, that helped so much to get the blood back in my foot. That helped so much. That The challenge was really cool. Um, and I thank you so much. And Doug, too, because if Douglas hadn't, if we had a little moment when I was feeling sorry for myself in bed, I never met all of you or this wouldn't have worked out. So I thank you all. And thank you so much for sharing. So you mean the, the only lot- problem is, let me just say one more thing. The only thing is, it's a big problem that as long as you have money, you can live. If you don't have money, you're down. And that's wrong. Something needs to be done about that in general. Yep, that's pretty I much agree. all I've got to say about that. Powerful words. Thank so, you. But thank you, Kim, for everything that you've done. And thank you everyone for listening into to the Heart of Innovation. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.